Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 152, my friends. Today we have Zulma Reyo. Yes, I'm rolling my R's today. She's coming to us from Spain. And uh, man, oh man, I want to visit Spain. What about you? Uh, it just looks like such a beautiful place. I haven't even been to Europe. Uh, we all need to get out and visit these beautiful places and get to know these people. Thankfully for me, I speak Spanish, but she shared some great insights, uh, wonderful stories. She's 78 years old. We talked about this in the podcast. She doesn't sound 78, whatever the heck that means. She doesn't sound like some folks as they get older sometimes sound a little worn out or whatever. She just does not sound that way. She's got a very vibrant, high vibration energy that she brings to the table. So enjoy our interview. Very, very deep and thorough dive into the principles that govern who and what we are as people to find our true selves, to really dig deep and uh, live an awake and uh, aware life of who and what we are as people, really in the depths of the spiritual side and things. If you're not into all those that sort of stuff, I still encourage you uh, to give it a chance because there's some really deep principles and I think you'll feel it as we talk about it. Uh, before we jump into our interview, I just want to remind you as always, you are absolutely priceless. What does that mean? Well, people talk about price in the sense of the monetary systems of this world that, uh, you know, these cookies are $3.99 and this or that has this price tag, whether it's a diamond or this or that. You are beyond <laughs> the monetary systems of this world. The riches are found in you. And all that other stuff is just a bunch of distraction and nonsense, really, at the end of the day. Yes, we need some of those things that money can buy for our temporary subsistence here on Earth. But uh, just remember, you are priceless. Don't let anyone or anything ever convince you otherwise. Uh, if you're struggling, I also want to remind you, you're not alone. You know, reach out, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, whatever it is. You can always reach out to me, info at empowerhumans.com, at empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, we have this new TikTok account at Empower Humans, believe it or not, uh, all together at Empower Humans. So reach out. There's plenty of resources. Do not be scared. If you're struggling, you need uh, help, support, uh, reach out. I also want to quickly touch on our challenges. These are ongoing challenges because they're ongoing habits in our lives to bring a higher level of joy and alignment, uh, which joy in Hebrew means, as we've talked about in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, but in any case, challenge number one, study. Uh, I just picked up the uh, Matthew McConaughey book, Green Lights, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, which I, you know, I just love people's stories, uh, especially people who've accomplished something. You know, he's an Oscar winning actor, whether you're a fan or not. Um, I just like hearing how people got somewhere, whatever that is. You know, I, I heard Howard Stern some time ago uh, talk about how the climb is the most fascinating part of anyone's life. The climb to a destination, whether they became a famous actor or did this or did that. Um, we're all climbing. Your stories are fascinating to me, too, but study. Uh, you know, I think we can learn a lot from people's stories, uh, fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is. And there's always these apps, Libby and Hoopla Digital, that uh, attach to the local library systems in many places throughout the country. I don't know if in the various places in the world, outside of the U.S., but uh, look for them. If not, there's all, all kinds of resources. We live in a time of uh, the information age, as they say. So none of us really have too many excuses. There's all kinds of ways to access information for free, including, by the way, Zulma's book. Uh, go buy it if you can. Support what she's doing financially. If you can't and or don't want to, the book is available on her website, Inner Alchemy, The Path of Mastery. The second challenge is make great moments. I've uh, been talking about this from the beginning, three plus years ago on this podcast. It's really, really important that we make great moments in our lives. That, that 
takes some initiative, that takes some focus. As we record this, it's Memorial Day here in the U.S., and so this will be coming out uh, probably next weekend, uh, a little bit after Memorial Day, but a lot of people are outside grilling and uh, spending time together. We've got access to a pool here, so we're going to go swimming and some other things. But make great moments with the ones you love. It's, a lot of times it just boils down to spending time. It doesn't have to be a big production. It can be at times. Maybe you surprise somebody. Maybe we do this or that to really make great moments in our lives, to create memories, uh, whether that's a trip to Disney World or a surprise birthday party or some other thing where you're surprising and uh, expressing love as a verb, as an action item. But make great moments. Uh, you've all heard me talk about, in my case, my boys are the center of my life right now. And <laughs> I, I do my best. They'll say, oh, he falls short. But I think they, they understand and they know I'm trying. But, I, you know, I try to do Legos and help my son who just started skateboarding and, you know, things like that. Spend time with them. And you'll just find that these are pillars in our lives as we come to the end of this thing, eventually all of us, that will sustain and overshadow us, uh, you know, against all our many mistakes and shortcomings as people. And the last challenge is very simple, my friends. Let's keep doing this podcast together. Again, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. I'm always flattered and grateful, and I'm just real excited to jump into this interview because Zulma shared all kinds of great stuff. By the way, her name is Z-U-L-M-A. Rayo is her last name, R-E-Y-O. And again, the website, zrsoc.com, and the book, Inner Alchemy, The Path of Mastery. So here we go with the one and only Zulma Rayo. Let's go. We are very pleased to welcome Zulma Arreo today, who is an author, and also, we were just talking, does a little bit of everything. She's got a background in all kinds of things, from uh, psychology and philosophy and bioenergetics and body work and some things that I don't even fully comprehend, which is why we're talking today, Zulma, coming to us today from Spain, right? Yes, from Mallorca. Mallorca. <clears throat> How is it over there? It's, I've always wanted to visit Spain. It looks like a beautiful, beautiful place. It's absolutely gorgeous. Well, you're not in such a bad space either, but it's uh, we're surrounded by ocean. It's an island, and the weather is absolutely glorious. Yeah, I'm I can only imagine. And there's, there's just beautiful plants and birds and all kinds of things. Yeah, well, see, I'm in Las Vegas. I mean, we have fake versions of all that stuff, and it's very hot in Las Vegas. So, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were in California. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was yeah. previously. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Las Vegas now, but. California is a little, no offense to my fellow Vegas people, California is a little prettier, but I enjoy Vegas a little more. It's less traffic and lower cost of living, and <laughs> there's lots of things to do in Vegas. Uh, but yeah, it's not quite as pretty as places by a coast with oceans and stuff like that. But Well, I love the ocean. It really makes me live. It's, it, I love the smell, the whole yeah. idea of it, looking at it, being close to it. Yeah, me too. It's, a, it's an enchanting thing, the ocean. Well, you know all about that because are you from Puerto Rico originally? Yes, I am an islander. I was born in New York, but my parents are Puerto Rican. And I was raised going back and forth from the East Coast to, to Puerto Rico. And uh, my formative years were in Puerto Rico. So I, as a teenager, as a young college student in Universidad de Puerto Rico, and uh, so I enjoyed really island living. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I've never been to Puerto Rico either. I, I've been to uh, Jamaica. I've been to Cancun, <laughs> a few places sort of in the region, but I need to visit Puerto Rico, which is part of, it's part of the United States. It's not a state, but 
Um, how is it being in Puerto Rico that way? For those of us who know that, hey, that's we that's a territory of the United States. You use the U.S. dollars. And a lot of people speak English there too, right? Yes, the island has been divided for a long time between those who want statehood and those who want to keep the status quo, which is really uh, uh, no liner. I mean, nothing really happens, but we have <laughs> privileges, American privileges. I have an American passport. Um, yeah. I, I think, I personally think we're just fine. I would not like to become a state of the union, but the island is divided. It's almost like 49, 51%. And it keeps being that middle, middle range. Wow. That's interesting. I would have to add an extra star and then we'd have an odd number on the flag. And (laughs) if everything's okay in Puerto Rico now, and, you know, if it's not broke, why fix it kind of thing? That's the way I look at things sometimes. But I see some benefits on both sides. (laughs) Um, That's not why we're talking today. uh, But. Uh, you sound like you've come from some beautiful places. So how has all of that fed into what you do now? Because you have this, um, this school of consciousness that you do, which is fascinating to me. I'm delving more into these topics. Last week, we had something related to uh, the law of attraction with somebody who'd written a book um, and on that topic. And it's all kind of interrelated in it, isn't it? But how did you get into all this, Zulma? Well, I think... Uh... Perhaps something that would uh, qualify what I do and what I've become is the fact that I was from Puerto Rican parents, Puerto Rican extraction, which means old world Spanish values with an American educational system. Uh, And uh, so I have, you could say, the best of both worlds. I, I believe I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, which has made me travel a lot. Also, my parents were very restless. My father was. And uh, we would travel to South America and all kinds of places. So I adjusted very quickly to new environments and to people, which means that I had my little antenna out as a child uh, Um. because I was always a new new kid in school. And I I put these antenna out to kind of what makes people function? Where am I and what is really going on? And this is something that is very natural with me today. Uh, I'm, I'm 78 years old and I am still uh, in my prime and mm-hmm. I'm just as young and as alert as I ever have been. That wow. plus, plus the, the, the inquisitiveness of, of, of the times when I was born. I was a war child and uh, the, the, the whole quest, I was also part of that generation that broke all kinds of rules mm-hmm. and laws in the 60s yeah uh, yeah we we really had a great time <laughs> among other things but it was it was very intense <laughs> intense time and that made me always seek and not conform myself with ordinary uh things with titles with uh, having to be too obedient to the law <laughs> not yeah. that i broke but you you know what i mean just yes. going out of the out of the box all the time and uh, that took me eventually to, um, well, very long story short, I married a European, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I went, uh, <laughs> I wound up living in Europe in, and in, in London in, in India and uh, began to explore. And it was just always like, what is it? What makes a human being? What makes it tick? 
what what are we really what is behind all of this mind all of this chatter all of this appearance and what makes an emotion uh no. behave the way you know not just people but what is an emotion what what entangles us so much in this um uh, myopic perception of one another and reality mm. wow that's fascinating well First of all, you don't sound 78 years old. I don't even know what that means, but some people, when they get up <laughs> at certain certain age above 60, 70, 80, they start to sound worn out or tired or just just kind of low vibration energy. No offense to anybody who's older, uh, because that's not always like I talked on the podcast about my great aunt who's 101 and she lives here in Vegas now. She built airplanes into her 90s, started during World War II, and she's as inner. She's as energetic as you and me combined. Uh, but why does that happen, by the way? Since we're on that topic, some people, because my great aunt, her name is Eleanor. She's uh, she's told me like she doesn't eat the greatest. Like she'll eat hot dogs and stuff that's not considered healthy. <laughs> she's 101. Uh, I think a lot more of it has to do with mindset. She stayed engaged. She said all her sisters, one of which was my grandmother, are all gone now. She said once they retired, they all just started to deteriorate because, you know, no offense, grandma is no longer with us. God rest her soul. But they just kind of started sitting around and relaxing and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's, there's something to be said for staying engaged and uh, positive and all that sort of stuff. What insight do you have on that? Zul? Like since you're, you know, you're 78. <laughs> well, I, I must say, I don't look it either. Everybody says I don't look and I get such a kick out of that because I don't. Um, I think it's my mind. I think it's my curiosity. I think it's my my passion for what I do. And I'm still learning. I'm still um, discovering what the human condition is, um, what we're doing here. And most of all, and what's really exciting me at the moment is what we can do. We're yeah. in times of confusion now, such times of massive like you know well hoping it's going to be for the best but you know really deep down saying oh my god you know how much longer is this covid going to run last how much more you know what has it done to our world and uh but i am so optimistic because my work i'm passionate about it i know what it does i've tried it out i live it and i want to share it with people that 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 keeps me really going yeah I think that's a very simple yet profound insight into what keeps us, I don't know, quote unquote young, or I think it's deeper than young. I think it's just engaged and vibrant and all these things. Clearly you fit that category. My great aunt does too. And lots of other people. What do you have to say to people who maybe aren't in that place? Maybe they just feel like, especially in light of COVID, whether they're 25 years old or 85 or somewhere in between or more, but they just feel like, oh, everything's just like beating us down as people. This, if it's not one thing, it's another. It's COVID. It's, it's wars in the world. It's natural disasters. Uh, what, what do you have to say to those people, if anything? Well, I would, um, I, I would my whole work is, is to talk to people. And believe me, it's not just the ones who are overtly or, you know, or obviously um, um, kind of semi-depressed because people aren't totally depressed they're just a little bit kind of down waiting it out mm -hmm. um it's uh it's like hey you know 
I, I know you, you mentioned some of this in your own uh, website. Uh, it's the way you think that just stop. There is another way of perceiving life. And we yeah. need to learn that together, like a, like a global humanity. We need to change this way of thinking. And the way of thinking is not a way of thinking. It's a perspective. It's like, uh, it's not linear. It's like more sensitivity. And that has yeah. to be taught step by step by step. Phil, I wish I could give, you know, how many uh, interviews and people have asked me, you know, give us one quick solution. I'm sorry, I can't. It's, <laughs> I've written this very, very uh, complex book, which you probably have. And uh, it, it's, yeah. it's, the hope of it is that people will, will, take step by step by step and learn what they're made of. What is the human being machinery? What is its machinery and its dynamic? How do we run it? Because we don't run it. We are run by it, which is why outer things affect us so deeply. So it's not a quick formula to change, you know, like think positive or change uh, something that you do or actually hypnotize yourself positively thinking that you can do better. It's like, hey, you are better. Just uncover all of that stuff that is that is making you uh, think uh, like everybody else, that is keeping you in the collective and go inside and learn what the power of the self is, where, where your power lies, where your cool, really peaceful, really beautiful space inside of you is, you contact that. You know what happens? Most people contact that to escape from our reality, which is not exactly fantastic right now. And that's enough. You, know, you meditate, you escape, you go in there, fine. But then you have to come out and you find the world that we have. Yeah. And uh, so you then have to run make space again to go back into the hole. And it's like you don't know how to cope with it because you don't know who and what you are and what is happening. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You say like people ask you, can you give me a quick fix right now or something? Because we've gotten so accustomed in the modern world to having this push a button or touch a screen or, you know, turn a key or whatever. And somehow we just get some sort of uh, so-called instant gratification. And yet when it comes to human development, growth, mind mindfulness and understanding and sensitivity as you pointed out it's a process right i i mean you have this book called inner alchemy the path of mastery and uh talk to me a little about that and how that plays into all this i, I love the title too inner alchemy um what what exactly is inner alchemy and how does that apply to this topic okay um well, let me begin by saying that the key is not in doing and this is where we are uh Biciado, you say in Spanish, you are um, uh, stuck. You're, you're, you know, you're just stuck in uh, in in doing. Mm -hmm. And we think we remedy everything by doing. We've been taught this, and uh, you do, you appear, and therefore you get. And the key is in who you are, what you are, the quality of that you are being, which has nothing to do with the appearance world or with doing. And inner alchemy is precisely, um, well, everybody knows what alchemy means. And, and uh, some people are even frightened by the concept of, of alchemy, imagining cobwebs and stuff like that. 
uh, alchemy is really uh, more than transformation. It is transformation, transmutation, sorry, which means mm -hmm. that you uh, go to the very essence of something and you leap into a higher state of the same thing. So we do this, or we are able to do this with our emotions. We're able to do this even with our perception and it begins with perception. You look at what is immediately affecting us personally, of course, and then we lose track that what is happening is not, not personal, that it is happening at another level and that it is affecting the world <laughs> to begin with. And if you're dealing with another person, the other person has its own reality and you, you, both of you may be in some other third or fourth reality mm -hmm. so that the being state is totally overlooked. We're not used to being, you know, without anything following, being with ourselves, being ourselves, being with another. We're used to being, doing something. And even mm -hmm. when we're alone, we think, and that's a form of doing. So it's just like that placid state of being with a baby or with your pet, your dog, your horse, um, you know, or just sitting by a tree and, and, uh, and being with nature is absolutely critical. It's mm -hmm. crucial in our time. And that is the inner that I refer to. Once you touch that space, it's like the paras. The paras is a, in alchemy, it's the magical stone. It's the philosopher's stone. When you touch on that power, and I show people how to contact it, uh, you are able to um, change whatever you perceive and wow. uh, alchemize, transform it. Transform. It begins with yourself, but it doesn't end there. It ends with everyone, because once you begin changing yourself, you open and you, you want to share it and you want others to play with you. You want others to, to have the same joy. And that's, that's pretty much the meaning of inner alchemy. And uh, yeah. the process that I've, I've distilled from many different disciplines, as you mentioned, you know, some body work, some psychology, some philosophical principles, because it's all there. It's all there. It's all been bequeathed to us by, by, by eons of, of wisdom and we don't know how to decode it. And so um, I made it my, I made it my, uh, my personal responsibility to inquire and read a lot. I've studied ancient religions, which is where I've gotten most of the uh, insight from. And it's all coated in very, very dense terminology. But once you begin to decode it and, and uh, apply it to yourself in the here and now, you find out that it is magical, magical in a very healthy, light way, light in the sense of lightness, of, 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 of sun, of, of electricity. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. And I imagine some people are sitting there scratching their head like, well, that makes some sense, but we're not used to this as part of our, at least in, in the Western world, we're not used to this as part of our day-to-day -day existence that this inner alchemy can exist. Because I know one of the things you talk about is is what you call conscious management uh, and also kind of understanding what's really going on beyond appearances, beyond the inner chatter and things that go on uh, within human beings. What is it that, because when you talk about people being able to change, there's a lot of people out there talking about, you can change, you can be this or that, break this addiction or 
become this great thing that you want to be, even though people may not believe it at the moment. But before we talk about that process, what is it, just so we all understand together, what is it that, that creates us to begin with that become these creatures that want to change? In other words, how does our past pain and trauma and you know just general life experiences inform our mindset, the lens and belief window? Somebody taught me that term some time ago, the belief window through which we see the world that makes us say, oh, I'm not happy. I want to change, but maybe not quite aware of all the reasons why we are the way we are that we want to change in the first place. <laughs> That's a very long-winded, complicated question, but does that make some sense, Tizuma? Oh, it does, absolutely. There was a, a little piece there where you talk in your website about hunger. <clears throat> it is critical that we keep this hunger alive. It is the hunger for the self with a capital S. It is the hunger for what I am. Before I'm a who, I'm a what. I'm a quality. I, anything I add on to that, I have developed over my education, my, my experiences. I've, I've, I've become what I appear to be, my personality, because I've chosen it. I like it. It's part of, you know, it fits in with my whole biochemistry and, and, and character traits. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the what I am is a quality. And that is very, very still in everyone. And uh, it's, we're not taught, you said, you know, people are not used to, you just said it. Uh, and we're not used to, and so we could keep, keep going on the same way that we're used to because we're not used to it. And that's silly. And, and at some point or another, usually moments of great stress or suffering or outright impotence, <laughs> such as now, people turn more towards, there must be another way. Mm -hmm. And you don't reach that by doing, doing, or you, let's say you do reach it by doing. So you do this and then you do that and you keep doing 500,000 things. And then you, you, you go get to one point, you say, hey, wait a minute, you stop. I can't do anymore. And then something happens. You, you drop into something which is on the other side of despair and impotence. It's on the other side of, yeah, of giving up where you fall into a kind of a state of serenity where you find hope, not hope for something else, but the state of hopefulness. That is a beginning. Mm. Wow. That's, that's actually very fascinating and uh, deep. And I, and I believe you're right. <laughs> Certainly you have more experience than I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to just believe what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. It, it, it reminds me too, because um, I, I know one of the things you talk about is the term, you know, still small voice, being able to connect with and listen to that. Those of us who have some religious background have heard that in context of maybe the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit um, <laughs> or, you know, even Jesus. In, the, in fact, recently I was reading the Sermon on the Mount just to get kind of refreshed on what Jesus taught there. And one of the things he said was, seek and ye shall find which is such a simple, broad statement, but it's like, if I lost my keys, seek and ye shall find. If you're searching for your deeper inner self, seek and ye shall find. So for large and small things, seek and ye shall find is kind of a very profound principle. But how does that apply here? As we talk about listening to the still small voice and calming our inner chatter and seek and ye shall find kinds of principles. Tell me about that topic a little bit. Now, my own upbringing has been Christian. And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, 
I have tremendous respect uh, for, for its principles. I am not a member of the church and I, I don't belong to any church. And I really broke away from that very early on, mm-hmm. but I did keep that inner connection with, with that, uh, with that state of that, that philosophy. I mean, it's very, very, very deep. And this is what took me also the same thing took me to India uh, because I know that there's no conflict in religions. They're all pointing to the same one truth mm-hmm. and, uh, living in India as I did, and, and then I was around a massive library of, of information, live and also print, <laughs> Vedas and all kinds of Buddhism. Uh, I discovered that the still small voice is not just Christian. That truth is not Christian. Christ- truth doesn't have any description to it. It is the state of being that uni- unites us all in the oneness of soul, of spirit. And um, this is where I, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, I participated in every religion almost that you can think of, or well, the major ones, certainly. I was almost going to write a book on, on all of them because uh, they, they, they take you to the place that is real, capital R. Yeah, I like the you essence, said the capital R. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you, know, you know, the essence of them, not just, not, not, I, I, I'm so against fanaticism. I guess it's part of my, my uh, generation too that you know broke away from all of these very strict rules and go go more into the essence of things uh behind all of these churches there is something which is not a church or is a church in the original sense of the word which means a group of people of humanity a family the, the original meaning of church was family <laughs> and we are family we're one global family yeah that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I've said this so much lately, this COVID thing has taught us, if nothing else, how interconnected we are as human beings. <laughs> just, yeah. just the fact that we, we all had to stay home and, and this virus could spread globally in a matter of seconds, not seconds, you know, weeks and months. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, we are very interconnected and we share what we call literal common ground on this planet that we have far, far more in common, despite differences of language and, and religion. And, and even all, most of the religions have some very similar common threads, uh, especially at the core elements of them. Uh, we have so much more in common than we, than we have as differences, don't we? Uh, just as human beings. Yes, we do. And that's the beauty of it. If you can allow yourself to look beyond the biases or, or appearances and get, you get into this, it's just yummy. What, what, what else can I say? It's delightful. It, <laughs> it's joy when you meet another heart, another soul. Yeah. You allow yourself to commune at that level <clears throat> without, uh, you know, getting uptight. Right. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, as I as I sit and talk to you here, I'm, I just think about like when you say what is real with a capital R a few minutes ago. Um, yeah. What is real? I mean, tell me this. I mean, you've lived a little bit longer than me, almost twice uh, my age. I'm 40. I'll be 41 in August. <laughs> uh, what is real? Because at the end of the day, as I preface this question, is I look around and realize a lot of us, including myself sometimes, we're living this kind of zombie-like life where we just kind of go through the motions, not knowing what we're doing. And even somewhat hypnotized throughout the day, literally and figuratively as we drive and as we do things, what is real underneath all of that, Zulma? 
I know it's a profound, deep question, but. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, perhaps we need to look at it from the other way is like what we believe is real, what our appearances mm. and there's, we're constantly projecting our own needs, ideas, uh, beliefs onto reality. So what we don't perceive is just what we are doing, which is why my effort to teach people what you're doing with your energies. Uh, so we're, we're placing uh, veils over things, uh, circumstances, meetings, people we see. Uh, we're so conditioned, and this is massive, this is global. Uh, I mean, of course, I was raised in, the, in North America and in, in the US, uh, way of, of, of it's appearance, let's face it, you know, shopping malls and appearances and, and fashion. Um, this was my, my whole kind of childhood. And uh, that we do not perceive what is real, we perceive what we want to perceive, but it's so automatic and so strong because it's dressed with all our emotional satisfaction or our prejudices, which is also an emotional satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, a different way. Uh, and that we do not feel, you know, which is what, why I mentioned in the beginning sensitivity. We do not feel what is underneath and what we, what our sensitivity or sensibility in both terms reveals to us there's a resonance that we do not want to acknowledge because we're so obsessed with appearances, with good and better, with a sliding scale of linear values. And reality is not linear. So reality with a capital R is a, is a boing, you know, like a gong. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's never ending waves of, that, that em, em, emanate from a center which is within you. And when your center and another person's center coincides, you've got that wow, but you've got that wow in, an, in a so much more, all I can say is, is ecstasy, much more than you would have with, uh, with the gratification of, of, of the senses or of touch uh, that uh, tells you this is real. Mm. Because it makes me feel good, but because it, is qualitatively without the me involved. We have to get the me, we have to stand aside from what we are perceiving. And this is very difficult. We've been brought up to, you know, gratify ourselves, you know, like get medals and we believe we're gonna get medals or have being good or doing whatever we do efficiently or well. And the, the truth is that we're only gonna get that satisfaction when we step aside from ourselves and uh, even observe ourselves aside from ourselves, which is a big shock for most people because they start saying, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> they start not liking uh, their, their deceits, you know, the lies to themselves, their, their, their artificiality. Uh, you know, we're all doing the very best we can. So it, I always tell to people, I'm not criticizing you. You are absolutely beautiful. It's what you have learned to do that must be unlearned so that you can step aside from all of that information, all of that conditioning and begin to perceive this sensibility, this oneness, this essence. Now, uh, here I'm being long-winded again. Sorry, Phil. It's okay. 
the thing is, it, it takes mental training because you have to train the mind. The mind goes by itself. So the mind is like automatic and it'll just shoot in there and give you meanings, excuses, reasons. And uh, we have to learn to be in intelligence without following the linear mind. And this is something hard to describe and much less grasp in one sentence. It is a feeling knowing. Uh, and the intelligence has to come out of that and has to adjust to that feeling knowing rather than the feeling knowing adjust to the vocabulary and the words and the, you know, the thoughts that you thought you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that occurs to me in the world in which we live, especially those of us who have access to so many more things, most of us in the United States uh, and in the Western world do things like Netflix and, uh, and phones and all these things that give us all kinds of just stimulation of some sort, but there's a lot of distraction there. It's at the end of the day, it's just that it's sensory stimulation that I think many of us perceive as something more than it is. It's just kind of this counterfeit distraction of our senses. And yet there's something much, much deeper in all of us. Now, do you believe out of curiosity uh, is there a distinction to be made between our bodies, our carnal state as human beings, and what some might call the, our spirits or soul? Is there a distinction there of between the body and the spirit? Like I remember, there's a scripture of you know from my religious background that says uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. Uh, just paraphrasing. Is there a distinction in your mind, Zulma? Well, thank you so much for asking this question, Phil, because it is absolutely foundational to my teaching. Uh, the spirit is in your flesh. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the flesh. It is what we do with it. Just like there's nothing wrong in the mind, it's what we do with it. There's nothing wrong in intense emotions. It's how we use them to manipulate others and ourselves. So spirit is uh, is what we have always been. It's that you know small voice. It's that it's that spaciousness inside of you. It is that being that is uh, amorphous, really. Uh, and uh, it's like the inner company. We need to seek that inner company. If I could give anybody a recommendation from this in this program, it would be look for the company of yourself. Talk to yourself. But when you listen to that voice, you're probably going to hear the voice of conscience, which is social. No, that's not the voice you listen to. <laughs> listen mm. to, you know, like, like it, I think, listen to Jesus. Listen to Buddha inside of you. Listen, listen to those to those deeper um, intuitions, and and um, this is how you'll you, you'll be able to to recognize and i forgot the question can you remind me again i think i went oh no there. you're you're right on track still it's i just think the question was mostly the distinction between yeah, the spirit yeah. and the body too and then how the body furthermore because i know you talk about this how the body is an instrument of what you call yeah. the greater life yeah 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 that's that was it the spirit and the body the thing is that the body is holy it is it is so incredibly vulnerable and tender and beautiful. It is a, a fantastic instrument. We abuse of it. And why do we do this? We don't know. We don't appreciate it except for the pleasure it brings us. It is like looking at a tender puppy. You know, I mean, we are those tender puppies. It is 
like you know uh, breathing with a tree it is like uh, like like looking at daybreak the, these flashes of color and light all of this is inside of us the, our body is composed of nature and it is tender and beautiful and delicate and it's extremely glorious now our soul is or spirit is inside the body it incarnated it needs a body to uh to to evolve to uh to spread let's say the the joy the good news <laughs> mm -hmm. the light uh and uh so the, the spirit in the body's job is to help it evolve and it it, 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 what evolves is your personality because the body is perfect already. It is our personality, the way we think, that creates disease and dis-ease also in our, in our emotional, psychological states yes. in our lives. And, and uh, spirit is absolutely pure. It is that inner voice. Mm. And, and, and uh, soul is like your individual expression of spirit is your incarnated aspect the one that communes with you because spirit is just glorious it's like insights flashes uh uh you know states of ecstasy but the soul is like the middleman the soul comes in and is always waiting for you to listen to it <laughs> so waiting to uh bridge you with your glorious inner self yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I agree. I, it's interesting. You use the word holy. You said the body is holy. And, you know, I was studying some words last year. It's kind of the etymology of words. The word holy literally comes from roots that mean whole or complete, which makes some sense. The word holy in, in English. Um, and, uh, and in fact, the word Elohim was a word used for God in Hebrew, uh, which also means man of holiness, which is man of complete, like he's complete. If you want to use a male pronoun uh, <laughs> and also interestingly, it's a plural word Elohim, but it's just, you know, etymology is always an interesting, it gives interesting insights as to where the meanings of these words come from. It's not holy. Sometimes we think in modern times of, Oh, that's holy water at the, the church or that's this or that well what what does holy mean it means whole or complete and so i think that's interesting sometimes we're not complete right as we're living our lives probably most of the time if we're being honest with ourselves we're not in tune with our complete selves right we're maybe in tune with the body some state of ecstasy or some some people are drinking or doing drugs or some other thing or having sex or whatever and so we're in that that moment of that thing with the with the body but we're not complete maybe in our complete perception of the depth of what and who we are, right? <laughs> what are your I'm, thoughts? I'm thinking of, you know, I, I tell all my students, I'm not against anything. Again, I don't, I don't predicate any, any kind of uh, abstinence of any sort. Uh, and uh, whatever it is, including if you're eating meat, well, you bless it. You thank it. You bless it just like the American Indians do, uh, you know, when they, when they kill an animal for, for, for nourishment. Uh, you acknowledge the, the, the divinity in that you, uh, you, 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 can, you recognize its holiness mm -hmm. and uh, every act, I mean, uh, sex itself is an instrument and they, now, now you must know that, that there are moments where you are 
so in love with your partner and that it goes beyond, I mean, sex is just not enough. There is something that goes beyond that. It may go through the act of sex, yeah. but it's so much more beyond. You go into, into an inner fusion and uh, the other is there to remind you of who and what you are because it is not the other either that brings you that. The other reminds you like a mirror of what you are already. So I, I, uh, I tell all my students, like whatever it is that you're doing, do it with awareness. Uh, awareness is an aspect of consciousness and discover, look for, look for the beauty, look mm -hmm. for truth, look for the light. It's always, always, always there. Yeah. Well, again, seek and ye shall find whatever you want to call it or however we word it, look for it. It's there. And, and it's, it's readily available to each and every one of us. I would submit. I, one of the things that you talk about too, Zulma is um, kind of recognizing spirituality in our ordinary day-to-day -day lives. Do you want to expound on that a little bit more as far as what that means and how we go about doing that? Because again, many of us go around, we kind of pretend we're awake, but we're really kind of asleep just living these hypnotized lives at times. <laughs> How do we wake up and see the depths of the spirituality uh, of, of it all? Wanting to. Wanting to. You've got to decide. That you, there's no work that can be done without a lot of work. And you say that yourselves, you're yourself. <laughs> there, there, you've got to want it. And uh, when you decide on something, you will get it. The seeking you shall find. So the thing is to, to uh, go around remembering. There's a, the Sufis use the word self-remembering. Remembering the self, remembering the capital S self, the inner spirit or soul. Mm -hmm. uh, where you recognize you're constantly remembering that that is what is real. That that is what is important. The appearance world is secondary. But if we're still you know, addicted to and, and dependent on and still hoping many young people, even though not all, there's many mature young people still need to live a lot. They need to get a lot of things <laughs> before they realize that that's not enough. You know, there's something more. Um, but uh, to, to self-remember, to remember the holiness in everything that uh, you, you bless the food. How do you bless the food? You can, you can say a prayer, which I do. And, uh, but when I'm saying that prayer, I'm looking at the food and I'm looking at light. I recognize that everything that goes inside of me is composed of light at its essence. It may appear to be a radish, it may appear to be a piece of lettuce, you know, but inside of that, it's all sparkling. And I have the gift of sight, you could, I guess you could say, I mean, I, I see through the, the appearance world and, and there it is, it's all composed of light. I'm not saying things just because I believe in them. I'm saying things because I've experienced it. And so my acknowledgement of this world of light is a prayer. When I uh, touch the earth, I give from myself out of my hands. Everything I touch is, is my light self, is a light that comes from me. I mm -hmm. bless something simply by touching it and finding it beautiful. Um, these are normal everyday things. We, uh, 
Yeah, motherhood is, is especially beautiful instrument for this. When you give birth to, to a child, it's like, my God, that is the holy child. I remember the humility that I sent. I mean, I just, I, I just knelt down in front of this baby crying because he was so great and so incredibly beautiful. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, all of life has this. It's just remembering and daring to, you, you set out, <clears throat> you know, we get almost anything we want when we apply ourselves enough attention to it, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, when, you, um, when, when you decide that you're going to do something, you, you, you remember and you start discovering and it's entering this world of, I'm going to discover what has been hidden from my own, from in plain sight, from my own perception. I'm going to see the world differently. It begins there, I think. Yeah. Well, you touched on the word hunger earlier. There's just, you've got to want to find that spirituality in your day-to-day life. I think it's interesting how you use the term self-remember because, and as we speak now in the United States, it's Memorial Day. This will come out some days after Memorial Day on our podcast, but uh, Memorial Day is a day literally of remembering. And in particular, those who gave their lives uh, generally in moments of war on the front lines in defense of what America stands for in our case and the cause of freedom and all of those sorts of things. Um, so I think there's great power in remembering because, you know, as I contemplate and I wish that we would just remember more consistently, and I guess that's just up to us to just make the effort to do it. <laughs> but as you remember, it's humbling. It, we, you don't get so caught up in yourself. You realize I'm standing on the shoulders of countless both ancestors and forebears and people who gave their lives for me to live at this in this comfortable place. Yes, it's hot in Vegas, but I've got air conditioning and I've got nice big TVs and <laughs> you know all the comforts and cars and Costco around the corner. Uh, and I don't mean to make light with silly things like that, but we have all these comforts. And by remembering that we have this legacy uh and so many sacrifices that have been made and then remembering even deeper as you're saying self-remembering who and what we are it's just a very humbling experience which i you know i believe is a common thread in just about all uh religious organizations or belief systems isn't it being more humble and remembering is a big key to get there isn't it Yes, I like to use the word spirituality rather than religious because people get very attached to the individual. But yes, remembering is remembering the holiness, remembering the oneness behind everything because everything does emanate from one wholeness, the absolute, the infinite, what we call God. And uh, this repeats itself in a pattern of even the, the molecule and then the atom of a center of light and uh, we don't see it. We're not taught to look at it, but it is in everything that we do and in every relationship. In the remembering, we must also remember how history deforms things and how when we remember in Memorial Day, and I know so many Memorial Days that I've spent in the States, uh, when we remember the cause of freedom, that the other side was also the cause for freedom, that we're all all fighting for the same thing, that there is no exclusion, there's no boundary, there is really no, no, no limit, that all nations, all humanity is one, is one 
uh, one thing. And we go through all these wars and especially the devastating last century, which was my, my I guess you would call it privilege because I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Uh, learning it's so many wars, one right after another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the, the, the beyond all of those wars, there was a seeking that was happening. There was something much greater. When the Twin Towers fell, there was something that happened beyond what was what appeared, beyond the terrorists, beyond, you know, everybody goes into, well, it's, you know, kind of a revenge. Uh, the terrorists are bad. Nobody's saying they're good. But uh, there is something even beyond and behind terrorism. Those who ins- get inspired by it, there's something behind, behind all that that is evolution. That is the human race evolving and learning and rising, rising from the ashes, rising from that the, the devastation of pain, of loss, and, uh, and rising into something which is greater. And this is what I really think we should remember in Memorial Day, that we're all on the same road and that all these people believed in the same thing. They may have called it something else. They may have died out there in, in the middle of, of you know, of, of, of a bloody camp of war. Uh, and they were believing inwardly in the same thing. Self-remember, the light beyond the, uh, the pain, the light beyond the loss, the light and the beauty beyond, you know, that is evolution because we are going to greater place. It, it's happening perhaps too slowly for some, too quickly for others, but we are changing so much. I know from my youth, when I was your age to the way I am now, there is so much that has happened and there's so much uh, uh, expansion of our, of our knowledge ability that is possible to a human being today that was not here 50 years ago. Oh, it's yeah. a very short time, a very short time in lots yeah. happening for the good. Well, it's the greatest technological advancement era, just the 20th century alone, let alone going into now the 21st century uh, in the history of mankind <laughs> that uh, from airplanes to television, to going to the moon and cars and, and now the internet and just all these advancements. You talked to my great aunt Eleanor. She was a kid. It's night and day compared to what the world is now. And she was born at the tail end of the last pandemic, you know, the big, big Spanish flu pandemic in oh, 1918. Yeah. And she was born in 1919. Uh, and, and all the things that have happened since she talks about these old movies they would go see. And then it became what they call the talkies and where they had sound and you could hear people's voices. And, uh, but anyway, it's yeah, you're right. And then the reason I used the word religion before, by the way, was only to underscore kind of the common thread, because a lot of people's lives and cultures, at least, have been at least historically rooted in some sort of religious philosophy of sorts. Uh, and so just to really uh, highlight that common ground, common thread between people and whether. Yeah. And I agree the word spirituality at the end of the day, it's it's all part of the same thing. But um, I, I did want to ask you, Zulman, thank you for so many great insights today as we're getting close to probably wrap up here soon. But um, what are some regular habits that we can develop as people to stay in tune with the deeper self, to be awake, 
and aware uh, and remember all these things that you're talking about. What are some regular habits? I don't know if they need to be daily. That's why I use the word regular. Do they have to be weekly or monthly or annually? Probably some of all of the above maybe, but what are some things we can do to kind of organize our lives in such a way that we stay in tune with the deeper well, self? I'll try and answer you briefly, but I also want to mention that the reason we're meeting is because of the book. And in the book, I, I really, yes. I spent, I put so much time and effort into delineating the steps um, that a human being can take. And as a matter of fact, the last part of it, which is part five of the book, is how to use alchemy in your daily life, what you can do. Yeah. Essence. Now, those are those are all very technical, practical exercises that I give people. In in essence, they all surround the issue of of, of that hunger we spoke about, that, that curiosity, that uh, healthy curiosity, the, uh, the, uh, the willingness to, to change, the availability to something different, the uh, conquering of fear of something different, uh, the, the, the inner trust, because you can't take one single step. Now, if this happens to be the God that you find in a church, well, fine. That's no problem. <laughs> the mm. thing is, trust. Trust in something greater than yourself, and yeah. then dare to leap. Dare to take that leap that your own authenticity is asking of you. Uh, you know, the, the course that I've devised here to train leaders for the future, which is what I'm doing now, uh, as I guess it's my going to be my legacy. Is, is, uh, is a three-year program where I'm getting together uh, people of all walks of life, not just, this, this is more than self-help now. Yeah. Our world needs more than improved individual human beings. It, it means the, what happens with an improved <laughs> or a whole human being. It's socially, it's service. It's everything that religions <laughs> and that, universal spirituality offers us it, it awakens this spirit in us of, of serving the planet serving humanity so it takes three years for me to be able to work with a person the, the book will be the foundation but there's many 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 other readings yeah. and, and uh, exercises and things that we do together by the way we are open to inscriptions because these these cohorts, as we're calling them, these groups of three years are in groups. And we're going to start with the first one, but there will be others so that people who might want to apply could look into the website and do so. Yeah. But these, it, it takes a while because, you know, they, they come to a, a, a module and then their head gets turned around and they understand. But they leave and they go back to the world and then they, they're so much they're bombarded by stimuli, by, by uh, the lives they've led by habit that they forget. So then they come back the next module, they get a little bit more. So <laughs> by the time you finish the first year and more the second, you know, and, and the third, which is a real application of all this, yeah. you are, you are, you have created new habits of perception. You are, uh, you, you are, you have conquered fear, the greatest fear, which is a fear you know, the greatest fear is the fear of yourself or what you might be that you don't know how to deal with because nobody ever taught you how to run 
this wonderful, beautiful machine that is the human being and the human body, especially. Yeah. So this is this is the time that it will take. Uh, the 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 important thing that I wanted to say about all this is that I I have been gifted. I mean, I've been praying all my life to be able to give, give, give. It's the only satisfaction that I find is truly human. That I have been endowed with uh, with a, a foundation that is backing everything that I'm doing. So the courses here, this whole university in this beautiful setting in this gorgeous island, is free of charge. This is being offered to people who really want to take that leap. And in taking so, they want to lead others with them. So I'm getting psychologists, medical doctors, lawyers. Uh, there's a judge from France. Uh, there's people in all walks of life who are, are uh, committed to doing something more. Yeah. They have felt the, they have felt the scent of true freedom. They have felt the, the inkling, the call of this ecstasy, of this joy that has no cause. <laughs> it is just a continuous effect. It is not because of something. And they're coming here. And I am so incredibly privileged to have them and to be able to do this uh, through this foundation that is totally nonprofit. Wow. This is something important. And, and, and it helps people with, if they need so also traveling expenses. So this is why we're also uh, talking to people in the States. It's, you know, don't, don't get uh, limited by being out on the West Coast. We have somebody coming from Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just it's, it's a call to those human beings who, like yourself, like myself, want to do something, really do it. And we know that it begins by ourselves and that the change has got to be radical. Yeah. I think you're right. And wow, that's, that's beautiful and amazing. That sounds incredible. Um, I, uh, it sounds like this is something you've always kind of known that you were going to do and uh, something along these lines. And it's something that's evolved a little bit, obviously, like things do in our lives. Um, and as, as we get ready to wrap up, I just wanted to ask you real quick about kind of that topic in general, which I know it kind of manifests in large and small ways in our lives. The topic of uh, knowing and intuition and so on just and I've seen this play out at least in my life experience I've seen it more with women you know people talk about a mother's intuition men have it too in a lot of ways maybe we're not as in tune a lot of times as as we should be and or as women are and I've associated with a lot of Latina women in particular where this as you may know this uh, is it seems like there's even a stronger element of this I've I've known people who seen visions and knew that some accident was going to happen and that someone's life was going to be lost. And then it happened, things like that. Do you, can you touch on, I know we're kind of a little bit, it's not really off topic. It's all part of the same thing. And I know this is one of the things that you talk about is intuition. Um, do you, can you touch on any of that and what that all means when people have deja vu and intuition, all this stuff? Of course, it's part of the same topic, but let me tell you that everybody has it. Yeah. Men too, but we function. This is one of the teachings also. There's a question of polarities and energies and the ways that they meet in a woman and in a man. And uh, where we are intuitive in one way, the man is intuitive in another way. Mm -hmm. But we have not learned, because again, nobody has taught us that there really is a difference energetically between men and women, not beyond the, uh, the, the sexual yeah. uh, 
part of it. There is beyond behavioral, it's perceptual, it's energetic. And so this is, uh, this will make, why I teach this is because I want, I want men to know too. I mean, I've had courses with just only men to, uh, to what, you know, what, what is it in you? What, how, how do you perceive and how can you perceive? And intuition and deja vu are, are just, uh, they're ordinary phenomena to me and to my students who begin to unveil this, uh, what, what to say, this linear mind, this wanting to know, no, no. It's wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge is wonderful. I mean, we enjoy it. <laughs> it amuses us. It's interesting. But wisdom comes from another place. And mm. wisdom is, is that synergy of energies that come from the vitality of the body, the being state and sensitivity and awareness, and, and, and especially receptive to the world around you. Now, this I know is very difficult in the cacophonous world that we live in, in this, in this very uh, obviously noisy, uh, this very uh, messy, disruptive, uh, distracting world we live in. But those who want to know, those who have that inkling, let's just call it an inkling for now, it's really intuition, that there is something more and they want to go find it. Mm. They're not content with all the riches and the wealth and the comfort that we're all surrounded with. Believe me, in the States, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. You're there. I mean, I, I, it's just everybody looks to America because America is the comfort zone. And uh, even the poorest have got a lot more than they do in other parts of the world. But yes. you were talking about Latino women. Yes, there is a difference culturally that will make people in a certain way and I mean, I will, Paraguay to me is a place of, of incredible love and softness, incomparable anywhere else. But so is India. So is the Arab world. What I discovered with the Arab world, Arab women and men uh, beyond the labels of, of, of culture, you know, is, is, uh, uh, is, is an intuitive, sensitive, reciprocal, joyful state of being. And we can find that everywhere. It's just yeah. that you know, Americans don't travel as much as they should beyond uh, beyond uh, the uh, the resorts <laughs> to yeah. see more of the world. There is there is love and compassion and tenderness, insight and revelation everywhere. I, I would say, you know, just prepare yourself every day for a revelation. At yeah. the end of the day, sit down and say, okay, what is that? What has been my revelation for the day? And keep a diary. You'd be yeah. surprised. That's beautiful. It's, it's almost just like prepare the ground uh, like you're planting a garden and just be ready for revelation. <laughs> and flowers uh, will come, yes. Yeah, and I, and I couldn't agree with you more. Like when I lived in L.A., I got to know several people from Iran, for example. And there's all this stuff in the news for decades about this and that. So the perception in America is Iran must equate with evil or something. I don't know. And I don't even, I don't even, I cringe at even saying those words, but that's what the media would like to convey. It seems like, and yes, there's differences amongst a very small minority group of people in governments, but the people by and large in these countries, Iran, India, and these other like wonderful, wonderful, amazing, hardworking people. And I, people and they're sincere it's just that we have to get away from these superficial uh, and, and especially what's been programmed into us and the mass media this is one of the beautiful things of having these all kinds of podcasts these days yeah 
because people are able to speak freely and break through these beliefs which are which are I control my vocabulary. They're <laughs> 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 bull. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, <laughs> right. They're not real. People are yeah. not like that. It's convenient. They're 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 jingles that have been thrown onto us because they were they make us more manageable and let's admit it. Yeah. Again, yeah. yeah, look past the appearances. What a lot of what you've been saying, the media is a big, a big part of that, the appearance, whether it's the physical appearance of the people we're passing in the street in the store or whatever, or the what's on the TVs and these other devices that just project stuff for the purposes of advertising and making money. Let's be real at the end of the day. So let's understand the undergirding motive is not a sincere one to to give you full knowledge and news, quote unquote, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know we're out of time. I just real fast want to ask you, uh, Zulma, I know one of the things you talk about is the greatest power in human beings. What is that? And how can we tap into that? Because I'm fascinated. And from some of the information that you guys had sent me to in your bio, and then you capitalized the word power, like we capitalized some of these other <laughs> words today. Uh, what is that power and how can we tap into it in closing? It is a jewel inside and behind the thinking mind. It is the jewel that is that still small voice. That is the indicator that you're in the right track. It is the center of the cyclone inside of you. And once you tap into it, you dare because it's incredibly strong and it can be scary to hold that voltage. That is the greatest power and only the human being has that. There is nothing, not even an atom bomb in the world that can be stronger than that power and that is the power of spirit in you wow okay that's uh that's very profound um thank you so much Zulma. the book again inner alchemy the path of master i can't recommend enough that everyone go out pick up that book in various forms and uh Zulma's, uh i say Zulma because i speak spanish but Zulma, for those of us speaking english <laughs> with a z uh, your website, Z-R-S-O-C, which stands for Zulma Rayo School of Consciousness.com. But it's just that acronym, Z-R-S-O-C.com. So go to her website and pick up the book. And uh, I love it. Everything. I just, again, reiterate something I've said throughout the podcast. All of us in life, it's about finding real, meaningful, lasting joy. And joy, as we've talked about many times, is alignment in in Hebrew, that's what largely connotates is the word joy in Hebrew is alignment. Let's align ourselves. Let's pick up some really great principles from this book. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up, Zulma? Just perhaps uh, something which I think is important for your for your listener. The book is downloaded for free. If they don't want to order it on Amazon, it is uh, downloaded for free in on the website. So you can you can. There's no excuse. We want to make this available to everyone the world over. Beautiful. And uh, with this, I think I, I have to thank you, Phil, for a nice, long, easy, relaxed, intelligent conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. And I appreciate you as well. And uh, of course, our audience, we appreciate you spending time with us. We're always flattered that you do. And uh, until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.